0: So a guy walks into a diner and he says, "How you doing? Listen, I want to have the eggs Benedict with hollandaise." And the waiter says, "Okay." And he says, "But listen, I want you to serve it to me on a hubcap." On a hubcap. What? what? The waiter's like, "Why? What are you talking about?" He says, "Because there's no plates like chrome for the hollandaise." <laughs> no plates. Come on. It killed in rehearsal. It did. All right. You know, I'm so honored and privileged. I'm Bill Taylor. So glad and so privileged and honored, really, to kick off our Home for Christmas series. Home for Christmas. Home for Christmas. I mean, doesn't it just feel good hearing that, saying that? It hits the feels. Home for Christmas. What what does your heart see when you think home for Christmas. Maybe, maybe it's like this, a beautiful living room, right? Where we sit on the comfortable couch. Oh, that's nice, there's a fire burning. There's the beautiful sweet aroma of the home cooking coming from the kitchen. We're home for Christmas. It's a warm hug from grandma. It's, it's the nephew you haven't seen in a while. Your granddaughter's in from Missouri. We're home for Christmas. It's where our heart finds rest, where our soul feels good. Home for Christmas. It, it's a pretty good song too, isn't it? You want to? Want to sing that song? Guys? Yeah? Let's do it. Let's do it. Ready? Ah. Um. Yeah, You can plan on me. There it is. Okay. <laughs> Mistletoe and presents under the tree. By the tree, under it. Either way. Christmas Eve will find me where the love Light gleams. Come on. I'll be home for Christmas if only in my dreams. Let's go again. If only in my dreams. Yeah, you did. Beautiful. Caleb and Oscar, everybody. Come on. Beautiful. The last line, the last line of that song, if only in my dreams. What, what if Home for Christmas isn't the Hallmark movie, isn't the warm fuzzy? It's, it's a broken home where somebody drinks too much and gets abusive where a foster child is only dreaming of a tree and of presents and of a mom and a dad? What if if home for Christmas isn't exactly what we picture it and it is only that dream? This is a tough time for a lot of us. It's a tough time for a lot of us. What What if it's the first Christmas without her? Or this is only the third Christmas now that he's not going to be there. H- how many of you still get these phone calls? Because a lot of us don't. I mean, I, I I really miss Christmas Eve with my mom. She loved Christmas Eve. I miss Christmas mornings with my dad a lot. And a lot of us who don't get these calls anymore, would do anything to get one. Just one more conversation, one more hug, one more Christmas with mom and dad. What we're going to find out today is that being home for Christmas is about a lot more than where you physically are on December 25th. And instead of latitude and longitude, think attitude of your heart. What I want you to do is pursue Jesus this Christmas. What I want you to do is think about a home for Christmas with Jesus, where you belong. Because if we're pursuing Jesus this Christmas, it won't matter where we are. It won't matter who's there, who's not there. We're with whom we belong. Pursue Jesus this Christmas. We're going to look at a story in the book of Matthew. Let's go there chapter 2, about some men who left their home in pursuit of Jesus, who left what would be a Christmas like we know it, not for a tree, not for presents, not for family, but for a pursuit of Jesus to be in his presence, to be in his presence. Matthew 2, verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Let's pause there for a second. Wise men from the east. When we read those words, one image comes to mind. One picture is familiar. Three wise men on three camels on this huge journey with a star as their compass, right? But what did it just say in Matthew? Nothing about three kings, right? Nothing about camels. What we're going to learn today is that the real history of who they are and how many there were and exactly how they got there is not going to be as important as where their heart was and who they were pursuing and why they were pursuing him. That's going to be our takeaway today. These three wise men, dressed elaborately, were pretty special people. And, and, and scholars believe, by the way, that when we say three, the only reason why we landed on that was because of the frankincense, gold, and myrrh. There were three gifts for Jesus. Which, by the way, that kind of research prepping this message ruins another one of my favorite holiday jokes, too. Because if there weren't three, right, the joke goes like this. You say, okay, the first wise man brought the frankincense, the second one brought the gold, and then the third wise man stepped up and said, but wait, there's myrrh. (laughs) (laughs) But wait, there's myrrh. All right. I'm All right. I'm done with the dad jokes, guys. I all right. The history of the Magi. Listen to this. Educated, highly educated. From modern-day Iran, believe they lived in Babylon, people of great sophistication, the elaborate dress, the head dress. These guys were Legit, They were called Magi in Greek, where we get the word magic, where we get the word magician. And in fact, Magi referred to a subclass just under the Persian priests. So they were pretty high ranking. They were looked up to in Persia. They studied astronomy and astrology together. They looked at both the stars and science alongside faith. They did have faith. They watched where these intersected. And again, high status, high wisdom, high importance. So because of all of what I just explained, historians believe there's no way there was only three of them that came. They say these kind of people would have been rolling deep. These kind of people would have had an entourage of servants, of cooks, of animals, of animal keepers, of soldiers to protect this entire entourage and all that they had that they were bringing with them. Because, by the way, this was not a short journey. In fact, it's believed from Babylon to Jerusalem was more than 900 miles. That would be the equivalent of us leaving Holotus and going to St. Louis, Missouri. So with that kind of journey in mind of these magi, let's pause here for a moment and... Think about our journeys. How far are we willing to go for Jesus? How far are we willing to go? How much are we willing to pack up to pursue Jesus this Christmas? To take a journey and find out more about who we really are. And okay, that might be a little bit daunting. That might be a little bit scary, right? But that's what we're going to do today is find out about these hearts and how we should be pursuing Jesus. Because you see, in America today, in Holotus, and San Antonio, there's a church on almost every corner. We don't have to go far, do we? It's pretty convenient. And that's what I don't want you to do. The fear here is that you get a little too convenient, and there's no more conviction. You get a little too, ah, oh, it's a little easier if we just go to that church. Not finding out where... Does God want me to go? What does God want me to do? What does Jesus have in store for me? I'm not going to pursue him. Instead, we'll just go to that church. I actually had somebody one time tell me, well, they have a 5 o'clock service on Saturdays. I like it so we can get it over with. Wow. Or why does it just have to be Sunday? What you doing on Tuesdays? Where are you going on small group Wednesdays? How about a Friday morning coffee with somebody to talk Jesus? This pursuit is your life. This is not just check the box, I go to church, right? This is a pursuit. All right, back to the wise men. How they asked the question when they got there Where is he who was born king of the Jews? How about that kind of confidence? How about that kind of assurance? It's not as though the wise men got to Jerusalem and said, Hey, listen, um, We read something a while back. There would maybe be a baby born somewhere nearby and just curious. I don't know. Do you know anything about this that we're talking about? Maybe you know where and how and, you know, maybe you could send us in the right direction. No, no, no. They were like, where is he who is born king of the Jews? Confident. Convicted. These guys knew what they were looking for. Do we have that kind of confidence? Do we have that kind of confidence today? Because they sounded pretty certain. And when we think about it today, we need this kind of boldness in our faith. The kind of boldness that gets attention. The kind of boldness and conviction that stands out. Because it's harder and harder as the world gets farther and farther away from the Savior. Right? When we're in work, when we're in class, when we're in stores, when we're in family We've got to be bolder. And if you want that, you ask for it. In the book of Hebrews, Jesus is called the author and perfecter of our faith. Please give me this kind of faith of the Magi. Give me this kind of conviction of the Magi who packed up and said, we want to go because we want to see and be in the presence of the King of kings. That's the difference. And that's what you ask for. That's who provides it, is Jesus. You know, the interesting thing these magi were not Jewish, they were Gentiles. So why would they even believe like this with this kind of conviction, right? As Gentiles, they first believed in prophecy of the Old Testament, they knew the books of the Old Testament. Look at Numbers, chapter 24, verse 17 says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, a scepter shall rise out of Israel. A scepter, a star, they both represent Jesus. They were both prophecies of Jesus and the second coming, well, the first coming. The star and the scepter, were something that they were familiar with. These Magi knew the Old Testament. There was also more prophecy they were familiar with, and it came from Daniel, who was exiled and held captive in Babylon. Daniel, who in his book, did a great deal of prophesying God's word to his people. In fact, a lot of it apocalyptic. The book of Daniel is actually nicknamed the Revelation of the Old Testament. In Chapters 7, 9, 12, he talks of the prophecy of the latter days. He talks a lot about the kingdom that will come. So these magi were listening because while Daniel's being held captive, he's interpreting, interpreting dreams for King Nebuchadnezzar. And the king was very pleased with him. In fact, Daniel chapter 2, verse 48 Then the king promoted Daniel, gave him many great gifts, and he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon. And look at this, chief administrator over all the wise men of Babylon. That's where they were from, Babylon. That's who they were, the magi, the wise men, and they were under Daniel. Daniel was in charge of these people. So the prophecy of the book of Numbers, listening to Daniel, and by the way, this is the same Daniel God's protection and presence in the lion's den. God's protection and presence in the fiery furnace. And now, over the Magi, and the Magi were convinced. And they were so convinced that when that prophecy was fulfilled, they followed that star. Quick story about following a star. It's 1998. And my wife and I are awaiting our first baby girl. And so... My mom and dad come to visit from Louisiana. We're at the Ken's Five Studios, which is in the medical center, and we drive over by the hospital. And I'm showing, hey, Mom, Dad, that's where we're going to have the baby, Methodist Hospital. And if you know Methodist, every Christmas they put a star up on the building. And so we're like, see, see the star? That's going to be where we're having the baby. And so Dad had to go back to work in Louisiana. Mom is like, I'm staying. I want to be here for the big day, right? So we Two goes by, we get to the due date, no baby. We get past the due date, no baby. We're late, right? We're going, we're going day after day. Dad calls me. He's like, hey, listen, I really miss your mom. I want to come surprise her. Don't say anything, but I'm gonna drive out there Friday morning. I'm like, okay, cool. So Friday morning arrives. Jamie wakes me up at four in the morning. It's time and i'm like oh it's time and i get the bags and everything i go wake up my mom let's go we got to go to the hospital it's time so we get to the hospital it's like 6 or 7 in the morning now and mom's calling dad and not getting an answer and she's like i don't know what's going on your dad's not answering the phone and of course she's calling the house there were cell phones in 1998 but we weren't that bougie yet we didn't have one and so i'm like oh i don't know mom um, You know, maybe he had an early meeting or something, and maybe he slept late. I want to keep it intact, right? I want to keep the surprise going, right? So dad gets to San Antonio. He pulls up to our house. The car's gone. The paper's still in the driveway. He's like, oh, it must be time. So he realized and remembered how to get to the medical center. And then when he saw all the hospitals, he's like, wait, which building? The Star. That's what building. I'll go to the Star. Under which the child is born. (laughs) Right? Coolest part of this story, that story took place exactly 25 years ago tomorrow. Tomorrow's Carissa's birthday. Yeah. All right. Back to Matthew 2. Verse 3. When Herod the king heard this, okay, this being the magi, where is he? was troubled. Yes, he was. This was the current king of the Jews. Herod was called Herod the Great. He was not Jewish. He was actually born an Arab. He was an Edomite. And the Romans appointed him king of the Jews. This was his title. So here comes this elaborate group of magi, rolling into Jerusalem making a huge impression, very much attending, you know, a lot of attention, a lot of attention. And they'd come up and they'd say, where is he who was born king of the Jews? To this guy, Herod, who was probably like, uh, I'm the king of the Jews. This guy ruled out of fear and paranoia like you didn't know. I mean, when two of his own sons were going to be a threat to his throne, he killed them two of his own kids. He killed one of his wives. So he struck fear in Jerusalem. And so when it says he is troubled, and Matthew says then, and all Jerusalem with him, yeah, if Herod was having a bad day, everybody's having a bad day. If Herod was troubled, people die. Okay? In fact, this was one of the reasons why historians say there there had to be more than three and a huge attention-getting mob that came into Jerusalem because he would have just killed them for that kind of insult to the king of the Jews, Herod the Great, right? How about a serious threat to your faith? Would you react like the Magi if things get a little complicated or offensive? I better just say happy holidays. I don't know how they... I better not say Merry Christmas, I better not talk about Jesus. I don't wanna offend anybody, I don't wanna, right? You hit a couple obstacles in your faith. How about we think about these obstacles? This guy was a loose cannon. It didn't stop these Magi from asking with that kind of convincing tone, where is he who was born King of the Jews? We're pursuing with passion. Keep that in mind this Christmas, that you're pursuing the Savior and that the Magi had that kind of boldness in an obstacle they could have faced death. Keep that in mind. Matthew 2, verse 7. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Verse 9. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. When they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him of gold, frankincense, but wait, there's myrrh, no, and myrrh. (coughs) Excuse me. One quick side note on the star. Dr. Richard Hammer He's a product of Harvard Law and Harvard Divinity Schools. He's also a CPA. He's also authored more than 50 books. He's brilliant. And he did research on the star. He loves the Lord and calls the Word of God infallible and God-inspired. And this is what he says. I cannot conclude it was a star, a planet, a comet, an asteroid, in fact, Dr. Hammer says, it's nothing celestial. It's the Shekinah glory of God. The Shekinah glory of God that for centuries was what led people, the Israelites, fire and smoke. It was a physical navigation to dwell with God. It's how he operates. He helps you navigate. He helps you in this journey. He guides our path. And that's what he was doing, guiding this path with the first GPS, God's positioning system. Huh? That's that's Michael Jr. I love it, though. But knowing and convinced of this prophecy, these highly intelligent, high-status individuals wanted to be in his presence, wanted to follow that star that was prophesied to be in his presence and to do what? Worship him. And why? Why did they want to worship him? Because of who he is. So let's sum this up. Three meaningful actions of the Magi. First, they pursue Jesus this Christmas. They pursue with a prophecy that they have a passion about. They're passionate. Where's your passion? Don't be like these chief priests and scribes and not go. Right? Does the scripture tell us that once they learned of this, once they were told the Magi were there and they were going, did they go with them? No. They stayed back. They believed the same scripture. They had it all up here and believed it and said yes. But when it came time to pursue Jesus, they said no. We'll stay high, mighty. We'll stay in the church and in charge. Guys, I fear that can happen to you where you're too afraid to find out what Jesus has for you, too afraid to find out what Jesus is going to ask you to give up, too afraid to find out what Jesus is going to say, you got to stop doing that and give me the keys to your life now. you got to get the keys to every room of this house. You don't get to keep one door locked up there. That's my stuff. That's kind of my, you can have the rest of the house, Jesus, but you know what? I'm going to keep a few things. I lived that life for a while. Don't do it. I promise you. This is what the Magi said, right? Oh, come, let us adore him. Let us adore him. So they pursue with that kind of passion. Here's a practical. Pursue the passion today. Today's December 10th. If you read the Gospel of Luke, every day moving forward to Christmas Eve, you'll finish it. You might have to play some catch-up. It's December 10th. But there's 24 chapters in Luke. Have it read by Christmas Eve. And watch what God's going to do on your heart with that. Pursue Jesus' Christmas. Pursue Jesus' Christmas. The second point, Jesus is here for everyone. Jesus is here for every one of us these magi again were not jewish they were gentiles in the first year of his life jesus shows us that he came not to dwell among israelites alone but to dwell among each and every one of us galatians 3:28 says there is no longer jew or greek there's no longer slave or free there's no longer male and female for all of you are one in christ jesus praise god we're one The third meaning in the actions of the Magi. When entering into the presence of the Almighty, into the presence of the King of Kings, into the presence of the Great I Am, into the presence of the Amen, what did they do? They fell down and worshipped Him. These sophisticated men of Persia fell at the feet of a kid of a child that was no more than this tall. And these great men fell at his feet and worshiped him. When's the last time you had that kind of worship experience? In a little while, we're going to be singing, He is Worthy. And it's such a beautiful moment available at this altar for you to get on your knees and give him the glory he deserves. When's the last time you cast your crowns like these magi and said, you're king, because of who you are. They fell down and worshiped him, not because mom and dad will be proud, not because he's going to give me things and bless me, because of who he is and that alone. So when we sing this song in a little while, you come to this altar and worship him for who he is. Let's land this plane, one final point. Look what happens when the Magi are in God's presence, when they worship him for who he is, when they present extravagant gifts. Which, by the way, that was the only coronation for Jesus. This moment in his life was the only coronation as king. The rest of Jesus' life was spent in humiliation. The rest of Jesus' life was spent in rejection for you. For me, for you, for each and every one of us. This was the only coronation. So they pursue him. They coronate him king. They fall at his feet in worship. What happens next? Matthew 2.12. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Herod said, come back and tell me so that I too may come and worship him, which was not going to be true. Instead, God said, no, my will for your life is you go back another way. Do not go back to Herod. When you do it in the right order, when you call him Lord, when you worship him, he gives you the direction of your life. God's will is revealed after our obedience. After our worship, it's in that order. Jesus taught us how to pray. It's not, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. No, what are we doing first? Hallowed be thy name. Who you are matters. Remind him that you know in your heart every day who he is in your life. Because look, any one of us can go to a house for Christmas. But if we pursue Jesus, we're gonna be home for Christmas.